0: Don't be quick to sit down, please. Remain standing in honor of God's Word, and if you will, turn to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua chapter 1. Read along as we hear from God's holy and inspired Word found in Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> My name is David Zavadil. I am the pastor of Eastminster Presbyterian Church. I am also the chairman of our installation commission for the installation of Dennis Griffith as your pastor in In case you hadn't realized it yet, you are actually not at a church service. You're at a Presbytery meeting. You are uh, getting to witness your Presbyterian action. For those who may be a little unfamiliar with the Presbyterian church and our polity, our churches are governed by our first court, the session. Our second court is our Presbytery, which is made up uh, geographically of churches within our, our area. Uh, our presbytery goes from the Outer Banks up to Stafford, Virginia, and over to just west of Richmond. The churches in that area make up the James River Presbytery, uh, that is our second court in our denomination, our third is our General Assembly, which makes up, is made up of all of the churches within our denomination. Our presbytery has commissioned us to act on behalf of the presbytery to install Dennis as the pastor today. So that is why you were here at this presbytery meeting to take care of that installation. As part of the meeting, we are to issue a charge both to the congregation and to the pastor, and uh, that's kind of fallen to me, and is part of uh, incorporated in within the uh, the message that you're you're going to hear in just a moment. We've been blessed to know Dennis and Carolyn and their family since 1990. Uh, Dennis was one of the first folks I. I met on the RTS campus in, in Jackson, Mississippi. We arrived there. We arrived with two small children. Our daughter, I was uh, corrected from earlier, my daughter was about three and a half when she arrived. Uh, when we arrived and our son was uh, still in a car carrier, he was, uh, he was about six months old. Uh, they, they knew Dennis for the, actually Kristen Steele calls him this, uh, they knew Dennis as the man Dennis. Uh, and, and that's, uh, that was our, their term for Dennis uh, for the last 20, 20 years or so. Uh, since, uh, while we were in seminary, I guess both families had a child while we were in seminary, our last year there, and then we've both had uh, children since then. But every year, uh, at least uh, each year at General Assembly, we get together, if not other times. We've followed each other at different times. Uh, I was a pastoring in New Orleans for a while when Dennis... Uh, transferred into the Tennessee Valley Presbytery. He uh, shared about a, a, an opening, a call there, and I followed to Tennessee Valley Presbytery. We both served in, the, in, in that Presbytery until Dennis was called to Pittsburgh, uh, where uh, he served with Dan uh, Van Dornick, correct? I want to make sure I pronounce that right. Dan was on his session in, in Pittsburgh. Dan is now in, in Richmond and is also a member of our commission, our Presbytery here. Uh, then uh, uh, we moved up to uh, Virginia Beach about six years ago. I'm pastoring Eastminster Presbyterian Church there in, in Virginia Beach. And uh, earlier, I, I guess in the past year, um, Dennis's name was submitted to you all. Uh, as soon as I heard about that, I called Steve and said, Hey, I, I've known Dennis for a long time. If you want to know any dirt, give me a call. Uh, I was interested, It was interesting to, find, uh, to realize he never called me. So let me share some dirt with you. No, no, I'm serious. (laughs) Uh, That's fine. Uh, But we've known them for a long time, and you guys, uh, as as a congregation, uh, are blessed, uh, are going to be blessed, as well as the Griffiths are going to be blessed. Uh, You know, I uh, let him know from the folks that I have met from this congregation, and and I haven't had a chance, actually, to thank you. Uh, Two years ago, I was the host chair for General Assembly, and your congregation helped out in more ways than you know, and, and were a great help to us in being able to carry, uh, carry off uh, General Assembly. Uh, I was, uh, folks at, at this past General Assembly were still coming up, and, and actually they were asking when are we coming back? Uh, they want to come back to this area. They were so blessed uh, by the service of the churches in this area. Uh, and and our General Assembly, Uh, and I want to thank you as a congregation for how you played a part in that. I also need to thank you as I'm the current uh, chairman for Bethany Christian Services of Hampton Roads, and your church has been involved with Bethany over the years also, and we want to make sure that, uh, in fact I told our director that uh, with Dennis' coming we want a fresh start too, And uh, we want to be sure that we can renew our relationship with you all and build upon that as we seek to help children find loving homes throughout our our Tidewater area. And I want to thank you for your support for that ministry over the years also. As I was looking at this passage of Joshua and thinking about all of this, because again, we are here to install a pastor and, and to, to commission him to do the work that, that God has called him to do. And On one hand, as I look at this passage, as we, look, as we read about Joshua, we find God speaking to Joshua and issuing to Joshua a challenge and a commission. But as we read it in today, in today, we see that God is not only speaking to us, or to Dennis, but also to us as presbyters, but to also us as members of the church of which he'll be serving. So in this passage, there's a commission and a charge, not just to the pastor coming in, but a charge also to you, the congregation, the pastor of which he'll be serving. The people of Israel had been in captivity for 400 years. God in marvelous and, 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 and very demonstrative ways, redeem them and takes them out of Egypt. Under the leadership of Moses, they begin moving towards a land that He had promised, not just to Moses, but to Abraham and the patriarchs between the two of them. A land which none of them had ever been to before. None of them had ever seen, but they'd heard the stories of this land flowing with milk and honey. They were looking forward to it, but as we, as all, we all know who, who are familiar with the story, there were things that would come up periodically within uh, their journey. And they were found, they found multiple times. They would get right to the edge of the River Jordan, and then they would be forced to turn back and go around, and they would wander aimlessly for a while. And they'd come back, and then they would do something else, and they were forced to wander around some more. We pick up the story here in Joshua where Moses had finally passed away after God had told him, Moses, you're not going to get to cross the River Jordan. Instead, somebody else is going to take the people into the promised land. You get to see it, but you don't get to enter it. Joshua is commissioned then by the Lord to take his people into the new land. We are here today because you too are at this crossroads. You are, on, you are standing right now on the edge of your River Jordan. Some of you maybe have never been through a pastoral change before. Some of you maybe have been through a lot of them before. And so you have experience that you can share and that you can offer others. But for all of you all, it's a new experience It's a change in your life. It's a change in your church life. And it's time to cross over the River Jordan into that promised land, into that new area, to see what God has for you. And so as we look at this passage today, I want us to look and and see the concepts and apply the concepts that we find in this passage as you make this transition together as church, as pastor, and as the people of God. First, as we look at this passage I want you to realize that you're entering into new territory. Israel, as I said, had been in exile for 400 years. They had never seen the promised land. There's not a single person that was there with them that that day who knew what Israel was like, the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, their home, who knew what it was like at any time prior. It was brand new for them. Everything was going to be different. I think for 400 years they knew slavery, they knew bricks, they knew, they knew straw, they knew what it was like to, to work hard and to be tormented, they knew what it was like to be punished, and they knew what it was like to be fleeing. But they never knew what it was like fully to be free until now. They're standing on the edge with this young man who had been just been appointed leader. Joshua had never been the leader before. He was selected by Moses to be his assistant, to be there with him. And I'm sure when he got the position, he was thinking, all right, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do the best job I can for Moses. But I'm there to support Moses because he's our leader. The people had never known any, any different. They'd never known any other leader. Until that day, Moses had been the one to come in and stand up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Moses had been the one to say to the people, go in, put the blood over the, over, the man, uh, over the door frame, and wait. Be ready to go, and then when we go, we're leaving and we're leaving everything behind. Take what you can, and we're heading out. Moses had led them across the, the sea, had brought them through the wilderness, and had brought them to this very point on that day. Joshua realizes he's got some big shoes to fill. There had been no other, and now it was left to him. The challenges that were before him that day were new. You too are there. You're entering a new era. Things will be different at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Williamsburg, Virginia. The faces might be the same some may change. The location is probably, it will, will be the same. But life as you once knew it will change, and there's no getting around that. Vision and mission will change. But grasp onto that and hold on, for it's an opportunity to try new things, to see new things, to learn new things. Your leader, leaders, will be different. I love Brandon. I consider him a friend. I love Dennis. I consider him a friend. But Dennis is not Brandon, and Brandon is not Dennis. So don't make the comparison. In fact, from day one, don't start making the comparison. He won't do what Brandon used to do. And that's not a bad thing. That's a different thing. But I also... Encourage you, as Joshua needed that encouragement, to, to give your pastor some time. Moses didn't say to Joshua, "Joshua, I'm dying. Here's the keys. Take them across Jordan now." Moses passed, and from what we can piece together, looking at numbers where we've, we see uh, in Deuteronomy, where we're seeing uh, Moses' passing. And coming to this point, that that God allowed Joshua the time of mourning, a time of of, of preparation, so to speak, a time to get over the loss of of his friend and leader, Moses, but also a time to get prepared for what God was going to do with and through him, so that when he issued this charge, he was ready to go. Dennis will need some time, too. He'll need time to learn the area. It's confusing. I shared in the first service I've, I've been to the, your church, I think this is, actually is my fourth time here, uh, for various meetings and whatnot, and, and I've come a different way every single time. <laughs> I, had the, I came yesterday and I had the GPS and, and, and I praise the Lord it told me about the accident before everybody else, so I got here early, whereas all the others from the south side were late. Uh, but it took me a way I'd never been on before, and we took some back roads and whatnot, and so I told my wife when we got up this morning, I, you know, I'm going to use the GPS because I've never been there the same way every time. I know, I know what the church looks like. And once I'm on James, Jamestown Road, I know where to turn. But getting to that point is difficult. I've never been there before. I need time to learn the area. And your pastor will need time to learn the area too. He also needs time to learn you, God's people. As he, he'll, he'll let you know uh, probably more than once I don't remember your name. Or can you tell me your name? Give him time to learn you. Give him time to learn your your intricacies and the things about you that, that others like. Give him time to learn to like them too. But he also needs more time to learn about God, to draw closer to God. That is our source of strength, our, and He is our ever-present help in trouble. It's interesting in this book, how many, in this passage, how many times the Lord reminds Joshua where he's to look to find that strength. Give Dennis that same time. For all of you, though, please remember and realize you're entering into new territory. It won't be the same at Grace Covenant. Remember. Also the Lord's calling. Joshua had upon him a divine appointment. Seven times in this passage, Joshua is reminded of who called him. You got six eyes in here. I'm the one that gave them the land. I promised to Moses. I I was with Moses. I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I swore to their father six times. He uses that, and then he finishes up. Don't be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He was reminding Joshua over and over and over again. He wanted him to understand: you're not here for any just because you're here. Because I put you here. He set some parameters. The Lord set some parameters for Joshua. Two things you need to note as you look at this passage. There's not a popular election anywhere in here. Now, I will grant you that you had a few weeks ago a congregational meeting in which you got to vote on whether or not you wanted to call Dennis as your pastor. But I will submit to you as a good Presbyterian that your vote is was but by a divine appointment. God had already put His call upon Dennis to serve as your pastor. You confirmed what God had already ordained and had put into motion. You didn't make the vote. God made the vote through you. God determined who would lead. As in this passage, God determined who would lead the nation Israel. He also set the rules. He determined how Joshua was to lead just as he's going to determine how Dennis will lead. He's to lead in faith on God. He's to lead, be strong and courageous. He's to lead according to the Word of God. He's to lead for the glory of God. But he also determined where Joshua was to lead just as he'll determine for Dennis. For Joshua, he said, from the wilderness of this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." For Dennis and for you all, he has set the parameters of territory also. You live and and you serve within uh, the city of Williamsburg and and, uh, and, in the outlying area, but even those parameters are constrained. Very few of you come down to Virginia Beach to serve in my area. Why? Because that's not your, quote, sphere of ministry. That's not where you are called to serve. God has called you here to serve. Just as he's called the Griffiths now to come here to serve, he set the parameters for their ministry. So you may be asking, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us as a church? As I mentioned, God has used you to clarify his call for yourselves and also for the Griffiths. And I want you to understand this, that this is God's call, not your call. When you begin to think that you are in control, you are in trouble. Dennis and I both have been privileged to serve in some churches in small towns, and I think sometimes in small towns we fall into this a little more than in bigger churches and bigger cities, but we fall into this this trap of of thinking about our church. This is my church. That's my pastor. And, And some will even say, I voted to call you here. I could tell you horror stories of, of different things that I've heard <clears throat> about how uh, the ways that we, we set up these, these things, these parameters ourselves, thinking that we did something phenomenal when in reality it was what God has done. God has clearly and will clearly set the parameters for this ministry, it's going to be different than the past. Even two weeks passed. Even two hours passed. Remember the past. Don't forget it. There are times where you'll want to celebrate it. And we just our church had our homecoming last week where we celebrated our 141st year as a congregation. Now, we don't do anything like what they did in 1879 when they started. We'd be in trouble if we did because it started as a women's meeting, and I wouldn't have been allowed to be there. (laughs) Don't remember the past, or remember the past, I'm sorry. Remember the past, but look forward to the future. Sure, there's going to be some changes that are going to happen. There's going to be a transition, and there's going to be some new things, and probably some new faces that will show up, and they'll want to be a part, and they may even eventually be part of the leadership. But grasp hold of that and, and, and encourage that. And look forward to what God is going to do in and through you over these coming years. Remember that it's the Lord's calling, not yours. Finally, uh, refocus your hearts. I think this is the most important aspect of this call. Three times in this passage, Joshua is reminded, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? Why would God constantly remind Joshua of that? I mean, he had shown over the course of the last few decades that he was indeed the God. I mean, he produced water from rocks. One day they wake up and there's food all over the ground. God had done miraculous things. They walked across the river without, get, without drowning Yet they saw the Egyptians drown. God had been there by a pillar and by a fire. They had seen God in such miraculous ways. Why would God have to keep reminding Joshua as he reminds us? Be strong and courageous. Because we too easily forget that our strength never comes from what we can do. It comes from what Christ has done. Your strength never comes from what you can do. It comes from what Christ has done. And Paul in that great letter to the Philippians doesn't write, I can do all things through Paul. He says, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the Gospel of John, Jesus reminds us. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me, I will abide in him. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to remember that and refocus. And we need to remind our our brother Dennis and and, and, and Camper and, and your elders too that it's not them, it's not you, it's not me that can do anything. It's God in us who is doing the work. And the only thing that will keep this church moving forward, the only strength that this church will find will be found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And if you seek it anywhere else, you will doom yourself to failure. He also, God also speaks to Joshua and He says, do not turn from it to your right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Speaking of the law, He says don't waver. Stay on the path. Brothers and sisters, I will speak on behalf of my fellow TEs, teaching elders, Reverends, pastors, clergy, chaplains. All of us would rather have five people who are so focused and on fire for the Lord that they exude Jesus wherever they go than a hundred people who attend every single meeting we host. Your relationship with Christ will be of more value to this church than any one of the programs that this church may have. Colossians 2 reminds us, Paul reminds us, as you have therefore received Christ, so walk in Him. Our hearts need to be focused upon Christ. Don't waver from that. Don't allow other things to do that. Students, don't let school distract you from your relationship with Christ. Working folks, don't let your work distract you from your relationship with Christ. Don't let this church distract you from your relationship with Christ. As you've received Christ, walk in Him. As the writer of Proverbs says, don't lean on your own understanding, but trust upon God. Look to Him in every way, and He will direct your paths. I've always thought this odd in this passage, the way God commissions Joshua, He closes out with this this thought. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. It seemed odd to me. He's commissioning them to do this job, but then he's telling him: study. Think. Pray. Dwell. Stay in the Word of God. Study on it and meditate on it day and night. Ruminate on it. For those who are city, city folks, it's something that cows do. Yeah, they'll, they'll eat some grass and they'll chew on it and you'll see their mouths going and then they'll swallow it and then later on they bring it back and they chew on it some more and then they swallow it and then they come back and they chew on it some more and then they swallow it and, and the picture is here in this passage of us doing that very thing with the Word of God. Where we don't just come in on Sunday and we hear the sermon or we go to the Sunday school class or we go to a Bible study or a small group and we hear the Word and say, whew, I've received all the Word for the day. We take that Word and, and we ruminate on it. We think about it for a while and then we set it down. And then a little while later we come back and we dwell on it some more and we set it down. Then we come back a little while later and we dwell on it some more and we set it down. And the Word begins to become part of our lifestyle. All the time. He doesn't say just study it once a week. But day and night. The implication is that we are constantly dwelling and thinking Praying through the Word of God. You need to be doing that. But you also need to be allowing your pastors opportunity and time to do that. They need to have study time and find out when that is. I'm not sure what Dennis how Dennis's schedule is now or, or camper's schedule. For me, Thursday is my study day. I go and hide. Uh, I, I don't answer the phone usually on Thursday. Uh, if, if I haven't put a coffee shop out of business, sometimes I'll go to a coffee shop. Uh, and study, sometimes I'll I'll just go to my house and I'll lock the door and and, and I just won't answer the phone. Because we need that time. And I would encourage each and every one of you as believers in Jesus Christ to find that time for yourself. Where you have a set time, where you get away, and you too are studying and ruminating on the Word. Because what we also need within the church, for you as members, but also for them as staff, is that accountability that comes from that. You cannot hold them accountable to preaching the true Word of God if you yourself are not studying that true Word of God and know it. And at the same time, they cannot hold you accountable to living the Word of God if they are not have, taking the time themselves to study it and to know it themselves. So, together, stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. So, where do we begin? Where do you begin? Start at the cross. We start and end all with Christ. We started the service with Christ. In a few moments, Dennis will come and offer uh, the benediction, and we'll end with Christ. But it all begins right there. As I mentioned, we as pastors would rather have four or five folks on fire for the Lord than a hundred folks who just want to show up for a nice meeting. Why is that? Why would we want that? Christ went to the cross for us. He offered Himself as our propitiation. Though we were born into wrath, He came and paid the price that we might have life, might have it eternally. That we would know true forgiveness of sins, And that we would be used by Him for the glory of His kingdom to build that kingdom. He has called you to be kingdom builders, but again, not on your own strength, through Him. So we start there. If there's anyone here today who doesn't know Christ, I pray today would be the day that you would come and receive that gift that Christ offers, that gift of life found only in Him. We are exclusive whether we like to admit that or not in our, in our media today. We believe there is only one way to life eternal, and that is through Jesus Christ. He has offered that gift freely, though it wasn't free for Him. You can receive it at no cost to yourself, but it cost Him everything. For on that cross, He gave His life. He shed His blood that you might have life so I call you to come. For those of us who do know Christ and who walk with Him, brothers and sisters, realize you're entering into new territory. Remember that this is the Lord's calling for you and for the Griffiths. And as you begin this new calling, refocus your hearts upon Christ and upon the work that He is doing and going to do in You. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this church and their faith and their service in You, and I pray, O Lord, that You would be glorified in and through them. Father, I thank You for those who are present. If there's anyone here today who does not know You, I pray that today would be the day they would know the salvation of the Lord. Touch their heart. Draw them unto You, O God. Give them new life for your glory. And Father, for those of us who do, may we leave today knowing surely we've been in the presence of the Almighty, emboldened with the power of the gospel in our hearts, empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim it wherever we go. Send us forth in your name and for your glory, O Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.